Y'all, it is the one-month anniversary of the You're Welcome podcast. Enter fanfare and cheering and da-da-da-da. So you may have noticed I don't really do quote housekeeping at the beginning of episodes so far. I personally love it when podcasts just get into the meat of it. So that is what I try to create for you. However, I would be remiss if I didn't thank the 488 beautiful people who have left reviews in this first month and everyone who's made up our more than 50,000 downloads and celebrate your response. We made it into the top 100 podcasts on the day that we launched. We've been third place in our category on iTunes, made it to new and noteworthy. Over on iTunes, we were on the front page of Podcast Alley, which I'm told is the largest app for Android listeners. And we've had hundreds of comments on Instagram, shares on IG stories, people with such delightful jumping for joy kind of notes and responses. And Yigad's just really deeply heart-wrenching, doubled-over-in-tears stories. And they have all meant so much to me. Number one, because it takes many hours to produce one podcast episode for you, (laughs) truly. Uh, Totally for free, as right now we are choosing not to have any ads. And these aren't even advertisements for my classes most of the time. I don't teach a course on anxiety or dating. And it actually costs us money to um, put out these podcasts. We have a studio and audio techs, the lovely Rob and Samara listening right now. And we've had musicians and voiceovers for the intro. And we produce fresh graphic design every week for Instagram. Instagram. So knowing that it's worth it, thanks to your reviews and listens and shares, is basically my payments. Some folks have asked if uh, we have a Patreon that they can donate to, which is very sweet. Um, But no, I'm not asking for money, just spreading the word. Truly, it is my passion project and my ministry to just want to help more people that may not ever be right for one of my courses, may not ever be able to afford one of my courses, and to truly connect with you on a deeper level, which is why I created this podcast. And number two, your responses mean so much because it genuinely makes me feel less alone and more encouraged knowing that the things I've gone through and am going through are things that you struggle with too. It gives me more clarity and perspective. It allows me to step outside myself when I hear your stories get out of my own head to see how universal these things are, which helps me be healthier and a better teacher for all of you. So I know podcasts are always asking you to subscribe and leave a review. And I will be honest, personally, I've realized that I'm real entitled to things. I get annoyed having to watch commercials before my videos online. but duh, someone has to make money or I can't get all of this great news reporting or whatever it is that I'm reading. So I want to slow down at the top of this one month anniversary episode and ask that if you have been blessed by this podcast, it is free teaching and you can pay for it not with money, but with a minute of your time to swipe up if you're listening on iTunes or go open the iTunes app if you're listening on Spotify or go to the desktop version if you're on Android and write a one-sentence review. And then tap the subscribe button, which means that episodes automatically download to your phone. Again, even if you're listening on Spotify, you can pop over and be downloading on iTunes even if you never really open that app. But both of those metrics means that this show pops up more often in search next to other popular shows because it has more reviews and more downloads, which means that all this time I'm investing for free and the finances that we're investing to put this on isn't just for you, but 
five times this amount of people. And the same thing when you share it to your IG stories or you text a specific episode to your friend. And yes, I mean this encouragement and this very generous uh, ask to my best friends and my colleagues who are listening too. I think sometimes we think that leaving a review or sharing is for someone else, but this isn't for a super fan of Hillary. This is for anyone who believes that there is someone else who is struggling with anxiety or suicidal ideation, or overwhelm in their business, or desiring deeper friendships who would be encouraged and helped. And speaking of help, this week I want to share what has helped me go through a major change lately with less anxiety and internal chaos than I've had in my past. So let's get on with the show. Now don't get hysterical. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Big girls keep on changing. In all ways it keeps on ranging. Rolling. Rolling. Rolling with the river of life and changes. And we are talking about change this week. And we are changing it up to talk about change. We are changing topics because I had planned to talk a little about marriage this week on the heels of our episode on dating last week. But if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen that we just moved like 10 days ago. And I thought I would also change locations and record this from our new home because I was going to squeeze this episode in last minute. Usually I record from an audio studio, and we did that from the beginning because my old home was on the route from a hospital. If you have ever been on one of my webinars, (laughs) you may remember hearing a lot of sirens in the background and me apologizing for that. Well, it was because we lived kind of on a Like there was a hospital way up the road that ended up going down our street. So we had a lot of sirens. So um, our our new home, if you have seen it on Instagram, if you missed the stories, I have pinned them under home on my uh, profile. You can uh, appreciate and understand why our new home is much more quiet. And so I thought I've got a great microphone for webinars. I want to record this last minute. I've got this beautiful, big, spacious home. I will just uh, record this, knock this one out at home. Uh, Yeah, it sounded crazy. Uh, A big, spacious home is actually the opposite thing that you want for recording. Um, I will, uh, I'll do a little behind the scenes IG story and show you um, what my office looks like right now. It's very big and empty and echoey. So cue me scrambling to try to create a audio studio in my closet (laughs) where I'm like pulling all of our winter coats in there and I'm trying to like close the door and just record in the dark. And then I'm listening to it back and you can hear like my wedding dress is in the background and you can hear me like hitting the bag as there's all this crinkly sound. I was like, this is hilarious and absolutely not going to work. So we are back in the recording. recording studio today. But aside from audio recording, we love our new home. And there is a quote from Sex in the City that says, in New York City, you are always looking for a boyfriend, an apartment, or a job. And that is so true. <laughs> Therefore, I've had a ton of friends go through all of them. Relationship ending, needing a new apartment, looking for a new job. And I have said to and observed in many friends over the last few years that I realize we tend to believe that change is going to be for the worst, most specifically when it wasn't our idea. And because home is really important to me, that one has always been particularly interesting to me. 
You might not move a lot based on where you live, but in New York City, it happens a lot. And it also affects a lot. Your commute to work, the neighborhood, just the vibe, what's around you, how near everything is, what friends you live nearby or far from, your favorite workout class or something that isn't near you anymore, the church you go to. Uh, Is there more noise than there was in your last apartment? Is there less light? Your roommates, who it is that you're living with your neighbors financially. Technically, we moved from Brooklyn to Brooklyn, but it changed every one of those things for us. And moving is very often something that people are not in control of here in New York. The rent gets raised. The building gets sold. The owner wants to move back in. Your roommate moves out. In my case, a roommate, a.k.a. my husband, moved in. But for you, this could be any change that you're not in control of. You get let go from your job. The guy or the girl breaks up with you. Your best friend moves. Your contract doesn't get renewed. You get pregnant without expecting it. I find that most of us tend to feel really resistant. We didn't make the choice. There wasn't something better that we were choosing. So we subconsciously expect that it's going to be worse. We think that what we have right now is better. What we have right now is good. And if it changes without us asking for it, based on all of my observations of friends, We expect that what's next won't be better or even equal. It will be worse. We're comfortable with what we have right now, even if it's only good and it could be great. And we do this in a lot of ways. Like, why don't you lose weight or go to the gym? You're more comfortable and familiar with your current discomfort. It's going to be uncomfortable avoiding food cravings if you change up your eating regimen or It's going to be uncomfortable having sore muscles from going to the gym. It's also uncomfortable disliking your body at this weight. But this is what I know. So I'm more inclined to stay here than make this change. This feels safer. I'm unhappy, but I know this unhappy. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. It's the same thing with leaving the romantic relationship that isn't really making you happy, but feels better you think, than being alone. So you stay in something okay because you're afraid, what if there isn't something great? Or holding tightly to a friendship with someone who doesn't really reciprocate, or staying in a job you're not really excited by, or if you're a fellow entrepreneur, holding on to that employee that really isn't the right fit. I still find that I fight this. What I have right now feels safer and easier, so I think it's going to be better. And we're okay, but still not thrilled with change that you're maybe kind of in control of. Like, yeah, you're not so into that relationship either. Like, they ended it, but you were kind of thinking about ending it. Or you kind of let that friendship go because they'd started to get negative And so it just sort of faded. You chose to move, but it was to downsize so that you could pay off your credit card and get out of debt. Like, you're sort of in control, but it's not... Yes, I am finally living my dream of moving to L.A. I quit my job today to launch my own business. It's like you made the choice to leave an abusive relationship. But if you really had the choice, he just wouldn't have been abusive. So it's like a half choice. It's different than when you really make the choice that you are level 10 excited by and empowered by and totally fully in control in charge of. So maybe you're not totally resistant, but you're still kind of 
grumpy or blah about it. It wasn't a fully empowered, totally up to you choice. But what I found to be true in my own life, and I said this on the last episode on dating, is it gets better. My friendships get better. My romantic relationships got better. My employees got better. My homes got better. Jeremy's jobs have gotten better. And yet, it is still really hard for my brain to remember that. So when it came to moving into this new home, I am proud to say that I did a few things really well that I want to share with you to help you with your next change transition. And if you're someone who takes notes, I always do that personally on the notes app on my phone when I'm listening to a podcast, I will recap these at the end. So the first one is kind of a bonus because it won't always apply, but number one is I got a lot of heads up. This isn't always something you can get, but I moved from my true home neighborhood where I started my company, Dean Street Society. It was named after the home that I lived in there initially on Dean Street. I'd lived longer in that neighborhood than anywhere other than my parents' house growing up. And it was, at the time, my dream apartment. Like, I didn't want to move ever. I loved my neighborhood. I loved my apartment. Both places were home. And when Jeremy and I got engaged and we got uh, closer to Jeremy moving in, and and when he did move in, he kept referring to it as a small one-bedroom apartment. He kept saying, we we have a small apartment. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, this is a large one-bedroom apartment by New York standards. But, okay, I did have to start to admit that he didn't have room for all of his stuff. Because once he moved in, that became more clear. Like, okay, so this corner of the living room right when you walk in the front door is apparently going to now be the drone camera computer technology pile. And I'd be like, so, um, honey, where do we want to put these things? And he's like, I don't have any place to put them. And then he would give me this puppy dog face. And I'd be like, don't give me the puppy dog face. It breaks my heart. So I had to admit that we truly did need more space, but I had quite a while to get used to the idea. It's like nine months pregnancy. It's really helpful to have that time. And it wasn't sprung on me, which helped. He mentioned it time here and there, and I started to see evidence, and we kind of were able to build it up. And because we knew we did not want to move in the midst of wedding planning, it was not, there wasn't a deadline, there wasn't an urgency. It was sort of, yeah, we're going to want to do this sometime after we get married. I've watched three friends do this in their jobs in the last year. They all quit what had at one point been their dream job, like the reason they moved to New York City. And when people would hear that they had quit, their reaction would be, oh, my gosh, how are you? But they were all really good because they hadn't quit in a huff or a panic. They'd kind of prepared themselves over about a year that this season was coming to a close. And so they were really peaceful when they made that change. So if you can give yourself that time, it absolutely helps. And if you don't have that time, acknowledge that having something sprung on you can be hard. So don't beat yourself up. Be gentle with yourself whenever change springs up that you did not see coming. Number two is I really thought about my priorities. When I met Jeremy, the background on uh, the background photo on his laptop was of this modern, new, high-rise kind of apartment with a view of New York City. And I'd heard him say multiple times, I really want to live in that kind of apartment. I want to have that classic New York City view apartment. We don't know if we will be here for the rest of our lives. We have absolutely no idea, to be perfectly honest. But in case we are not, 
I knew that that was truly a big dream that he had. And I had visually seen that when we very first started dating on the background of his laptop. So as much as my home and my neighborhood brought me so much joy, what brings me the most joy right now Uh, especially after Sweet Jeremy has gone through three weddings with me, which if you do not know that backstory, you can go to hillaryrushford.com slash wedding and see the story about the courthouse and the elopement and the family wedding. What brings me the most joy right now after he amazingly went through all of that, really dedicated like a year to my priorities, was bringing him joy. And there's that scene in Father of the Bride when... um, uh, Steve Martin is in jail and Diane Keaton comes to bail him out. But before she does, she makes him like repeat after me that he's like, with each roll of my eyes, I am taking away a piece of my daughter's happiness. And I think that that's so true. Steve Martin in that movie, classic movie, guys, by the way, Father of Bride, if you haven't seen it, which obviously you all should have seen it. But um, he is focused on the priority of this is costing a lot of money and a lot of stress. And that's a very valid priority. But Diane Keaton reminds him that the true priority should be what brings his daughter Annie joy. And therefore, he has these conflicting priorities. He wants to bring her joy, which is why he's spending the money and why he's putting all the stress into the wedding. But by him rolling his eyes every time the wedding is expensive and stressful, he's stealing her joy. And therefore, He's actually not honoring his number one priority, which is his daughter, because he's focused on the grumbling of his number two priority. So I had to make the decision to let go of something I really loved, my home and my neighborhood, for something that I love even more, my husband. So imagine that you're moving to save money, to pay off your debt to, you know, maybe you want to launch your business and you're going to downsize in order to be able to lower your expenses to do that. But then you're always grumbling about it. You're, you keep focusing on, oh, we left that neighborhood or we left that apartment or this is smaller, this is worse. Instead of focusing on the joy of being debt-free, focusing on the joy of starting your own business. So most of us think a lot of fearful, anxious, negative thoughts way more often than we realize. So if that's what your brain is used to thinking, it will probably default to that to lack, scarcity, regret, panic. So remind it of what you're saying yes to the most. And don't pout about the thing that you're giving up. Own your choice. Celebrate it. Declare it. Be grateful for it. I think it can be so powerful for your heart to remember and choose your number one priority without pouting that you can't also have your second priority at the same time to not be focused on what you're giving up, but on what you're gaining and on what you're choosing. Number three is I started to envision my life there, to be there. So what really changed for me was, because I'll be honest, I still was like, I really love this apartment. I don't want to move. I still was kind of in that emotional place um, headed up to our wedding. I wasn't excited about this move. But what really changed for me is right before the wedding, I caught Jeremy one night (laughs) Not caught him like he was hiding it, but I happened to notice his screen. He was on Street Easy, which is a website that you use here to look for apartments. And he was looking at these beautiful high-rise apartments. And I was like, oh, that's really pretty. And I started to get excited. I had that visual. I could envision the beautiful new apartment that we were going to be in. And then when I was cleaning out my closet, this was still before the wedding but I was starting, um, or maybe this was after after the wedding. I forced myself to wait till after the wedding until I got into any spring cleaning. But we weren't planning on moving for like another six months at this point. But 
I wanted to do some spring cleaning after the wedding, and uh, and I I did a technique that I teach inside my course, Style and Styleability, where as I would try on these clothes and decide if I wanted to keep or get rid of them, I would picture what I wanted to wear in this new apartment. Who did I want to be in this new life where I live in this swanky high-rise building and I have a great view? Who is that woman? Who did I want to be? What did I want to feel like? What did I want to look like? What did I want to wear? I would, I had uh, joined Pilates, as you guys all know. I've talked about it a lot here, though I just want to confess I have really been off the bandwagon for a couple weeks. I'm just going to be honest, um, but I'm going to get back on. I'm going to get back to my two weeks of um, of Pilates. But I fell off because things got a little crazy at work, and I'm just being gentle with myself, but I am also not letting myself just completely fall off the bandwagon. So hold me to it. Next week, I'm back to two weeks, uh, two Pilates a week. So I was going to buy my buy new clothes for Pilates once I made it to the two-month mark, um, which I failed by a week. So <clears throat> um, anyways, I would picture what I would wear in my new office. If I'm going to go from Pilates to a new office space, what do I want to look like? What do I want to be wearing? Um, I started saving images uh, to a folder on Instagram of decor for the new apartment and really picturing what we were going to decorate it, how it was going to look like. Every move that I've made in uh, to a new apartment has been a huge season of growth for my business. Uh, and I think that's just an encouragement. Anytime we go through a change in life, there is just kind of something in the water. I'm not saying that if you are a fellow entrepreneur, you need to sell your home and move. Um, but for me, every time I have moved, it has been a massive next step for my business. This will be the third apartment that I'm moving into since starting my business. So I'm really picturing that. I'm really envisioning this new season of growth. Again, we think so many thoughts subconsciously, many of which are negative. So daydreaming, it is studies have shown, it's not silly. It's putting good, positive, hopeful, optimistic thoughts in your brain and your thoughts lead to your feelings. So this helps you feel better, happier, more optimistic about this new choice. And you're living as if. So don't wait for your new job to start dressing like someone who is more confident, more successful. Be that person now. One of the principles that I teach in um, one of my uh, webinars that you may have attended is that we often operate from do, have, be. I'm going to do this. Then I will have this. Then I will be this. So we want to get the apartment, the new job, the relationship, and then I will be fill in the blank. And then I will start acting like it, dressing like it, thinking like it, showing up as it. But the reality is we need to be, then we will do, and then we will have. If I will be that confident, successful, empowered, whatever that is, we will, we want to embody that. And then out of that, it will allow us to do and make the change and the choice do ultimately have what we want to have. I think it's so powerful for your soul to picture how incredible your life will be with this new change. It will be great. Picture it and then be it. Start acting as if. Number four is I prepared my mind and in this case also Jeremy's mind. So I said to him, here's what's going to happen. I am going to freak out numerous times. This happens to me Every time I move, even when I am the one choosing to move because I am a single person and I'm deciding that this is what I want for my life. So when I first moved to Brooklyn, I was so excited. My best friend and I had found this incredible apartment on Dean Street. We should not have been approved. Uh, she was 
unemployed. I was collecting unemployment. Like, we we should never have been approved for this amazing apartment. But somehow it happened. And the day of when I got there, I panicked. I remember unpacking the things from the from the moving truck and, like, saying things to her as I was passing in and out. Like, I was getting more and more riled up. I was like, the ceilings aren't as high as I remember. It's darker in the kitchen than I remember. The basement is smaller than I remember. Ultimately, I loved that apartment. It was huge. It was a duplex. It was magical. But at first, I panicked. What if this isn't better? What if I made a mistake? When my roommate moved out, which I talked about in uh, episode one uh, of my my hardest moments. That was a little part of it. When my roommate moved out, I panicked. I moved into my own place for the first time, and I thought I would feel super lonely living alone. I was not happy about uh, moving out and living by myself. I was so angry with her for moving out. None of this had been my decision. I wasn't in control of it. It wasn't what I wanted, and I loved it. It was way better living on my own, which was nothing against the roommate, but I thought this this is good. I like living with someone. It is not going to be better when I'm living on my own, but it was so much better. In that apartment then, I had a bug issue, which I will not go into details about because if if, if I was, uh, as someone who gets bothered by that stuff, I wouldn't want to hear you go into detail about it. So I'm not going to go into details. But I did not want to leave the apartment. I loved the apartment for other reasons, and I totally panicked at the idea of a higher cost of rent because it was an insane deal what I had. I knew I couldn't find it again. And then at the last minute, the broker's fee was twice as much as I expected. And I totally panicked and had a meltdown to my assistant. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to have to leave my home. I loved it. Oh, my goodness. That new home was so much better. I had been sitting in anxiety, living in a bug issue because I was afraid that I wasn't going to find something better. And as soon as I got out, I was like, that was insane. Why did I stay in that apartment with that bug issue for so long? It's because I didn't believe that something was better. I didn't believe that it was going to get better. Friend, get out of the relationship the job, the bad living situation, believe that it gets better. I can see so many times when I sat in something because I didn't think it was going to get better. And in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, I wasn't happy. I should have believed that there was something better. So my history tells me specifically, personally, when it comes to apartments, it always gets way, way, way better. But I said to Jeremy, I will still freak out. Even though I know this logically, I do not believe that I have fully convinced my brain of this. So I still believe that I will freak out. And I did. (laughs) So one night we were in a car home and I was feeling anxious about something and I start processing it. We're talking about it. The next morning he goes off to set up early at church and I get a text from him. Hey, I'll text the realtor that we're not going to take the apartment. And I was like, oh, my gosh, calm the heck down. (laughs) Like, I told you this would happen. I told you I would freak out. And I freaked out. And now you're freaking out. He's like, oh, yeah, you did tell me that. (laughs) Like, dude, this is why I told you so that you wouldn't panic and text the realtor that we weren't going to take the apartment. Um, A few weeks ago, like maybe two weeks ago before we moved out, I got choked up one day because we were uh, shifting things around uh, in the apartment because we had to do this photo shoot for the business. And I was feeling so frustrated and, and kind of panicked like this. We only have a few days left here and now the apartment's all up in chaos and, and it's not pretty and I can't just relax here. I'm leaving my dream apartment. But I had prepared myself that I was going to be sad that I was going to feel emotional and that it was okay. It didn't mean that I'd made a mistake. So I did still feel sad. I did still feel emotional. 
But I didn't panic and think, we made the wrong decision. Can we change our minds? Can we stay in this apartment? I reminded myself that this happens. And because I didn't resist it, I wasn't afraid of it, I didn't panic when it happened. And I think that made it a lot less impactful. Like I was speaking with my psychiatrist about anxiety, and we talked about how it's like if you're holding a a ball under the water versus just holding it and observing it, it, it has so much more force and pressure when you're trying to ignore it versus when you are just accepting there is a ball here. There's way much less force and pressure. And we talked about how the technique that is used for chronic pain is often to just notice it, to not try to ignore it, but to simply notice it and allow it to be, accept that it's present. That's what I'm personally doing with my anxiety a lot more now. And I'm finding that it's really helpful. And I did that for me in this move. I know I'm going to get emotional and I can just notice, oh, yeah, I'm feeling emotional. Yeah, I'm feeling sad. And therefore, it doesn't have the same charge. So I think it's so powerful for your mind to know your thought patterns, to know that a panicked thought isn't the same thing as a red light to stop, to know that the mind resists change and give more weight to the long-term calm thoughts than the frantic ones that pop up in the stressful moments. Number five is to look for evidence that this was good and right and meant to be. So for us, moving to this apartment really felt meant to be. We were not planning to move for six more months. Our plan was that our lease was going to be up at the end of July, and then we were going to go to France for a big chunk of time and travel while we didn't have uh, a lease to be paying for. And then we were going to get something in the fall when we came back. So we were just exploring neighborhoods right now so that when we came back, we could make a decision really quickly. So that's why we were out and about looking at uh, at neighborhoods. But we weren't even really looking at this neighborhood. Um, we, it was just one of the, one of many. It was one of literally like 15 places that we were looking at. And it was kind of far off from where we were looking for the most part. And we went to an open house where uh, we asked about at the front desk about the realtor. And they said they would text him. And then we're standing there and he rushes in. He's like, hey, so sorry to keep you waiting. I'm like, hey, no worries. And so we go up. We look around at this apartment for half an hour. We fall in love. We're like, this apartment is insane. We're looking at each other like, oh, my gosh, this is better than anything we've seen. We just had been to an open house across the street. And for the exact same price, we saw something that wasn't nearly as good as this. And then at the end of the half hour, we say, "Okay, so can what's the next step? He's like, I'll email you some information. I'm like, "Okay, should I give you my email address? He's like, no, I have it from when you wrote me. I'm like, oh, I haven't written you. We were just here for the open house. He's like, you're not Tara? I'm like, no, I'm Hillary. And he goes, oh, my gosh. This girl's probably in the lobby. We, like, run downstairs, um, and this girl, Tara, walks in a half hour after her apartment appointment right when we're there and goes, I'm so sorry I'm late. And so what happened is we thought he was our realtor. He thought we were his 130 appointment. We therefore saw an apartment we weren't even supposed to see and earlier than we should have been able to see it. And because of that, we got our application in before, uh, before the next person did. And so for us, it was... So we applied for this apartment and we said, you know what, we we weren't even planning to move for six months, but this is so wild. We don't know if this will come around again. Let's just do it. And then we won't regret if we get to the fall and we don't find something as good. And we will just trust that if the if we don't get it, there will be something equal or better when it comes to the fall. Again, going back to like it's going to be better rather than that scarcity mentality. 
But it happened so easily. It was insane how it was this massive packet because it's condo building. It was insane how easily it all came together, how quickly we gathered everything we needed, how quickly we heard back. So we really took that as a sign that because people are important to us, and that's really something that we have been thinking and praying about going into this new season is really relationships. For us, we took that as a sign that this is the place God wants us to be. This is the neighborhood that he wants us to be in. And he wants us to be there now instead of six months. And for us, that there are friends there, there are business partners, there are colleagues, there are mentors or mentees, there are people that we are supposed to meet. And in the first four days that we were there, we then went out of town, so I can't speak to beyond four days, but uh, we were there for four days. And every day we had a friend stop by which would have taken like six months for that to happen. We literally had a friend that was just like, oh, I'm right in front of your apartment. That never happened at our old apartment. It was so much more often than it would have been. For me, I really took that as evidence to feed my head with the confidence in this change, that this is God, this is the universe saying, see, I told you that you wanted more community and I put you here and I'm going to show you right off the bat that there truly is more community here. I could have been way more freaked out by how fast this was happening. I hadn't done all of my last things in the neighborhood. We had all these plans for what we were going to do over the summer of things that we hadn't done there. And now I'm moving offices in the middle of a work project. But you can look for evidence of why it is good that you ended that relationship. What's better in this new job? Keep affirming for your mind that this change is good. Because our brains don't want to change. Our brain is wired to protect us. And staying where we are is the safest. It's also wired for efficiency to protect our energy. And staying in the routes that we know is going to require the least energy. So the brain doesn't want you to be an explorer and to change and to to try out new things. It would like you to just stay in the cave where you know the path to the water and you know the berries not to eat and you know the animals that are there and how to hunt those specific animals. So when we want to be bold and brave and grow and evolve, make a change, it is so powerful to look for evidence that this was and is the right choice and keep reminding your brain of that. And then finally and last is number six, that when it happened way faster for us, we had to reevaluate our priorities again, which is what we started with at the top was our priorities. We reevaluate them again. So originally our plan was to go to France for three months this summer. That was before the wedding. We had planned for about a year. We're going to get married and then we're going to kind of have this newlywed adventure and spend three months in France. Well, once we got back from the wedding, That started to feel like too long. It felt like we'd been so busy with the wedding. We really hadn't seen friends. We'd really been out of community. And we really didn't want to turn around and leave again. So then we cut that in half and we said, okay, we'll go for six weeks. And we coordinated our team calendar around it. And we said originally we were going to go and take French class in France. And instead we were like, okay, we'll get a French class here. And then we'll just get a tutor for those six weeks. So we we really had like reshifted our whole plan. Well, now, as you've seen uh, on Instagram, we have this gorgeous riverfront balcony where summer will be the most magical time of the year to live in this apartment. So suddenly we are have this beautiful new apartment and now we're going to turn around and leave it. And we were like, OK, wait, let's reassess. So now we cut it down to three weeks and we said, OK, now we'll sign up for the level two of the French class and we'll 
do more more French studying here. And let me back up also and say part of our motivation to go to France was because we had tried to learn French here for the last two years together, and it wasn't happening. We were like, we'll do an online course. We'll listen to podcasts. We'll do French Sundays, and we'll work on it, you know, together. Yeah, none of that happened. So for us, going to France was in part to say, we will then create this time. We will be over there. We will be in a class. We will be immersed. Once we didn't want to go, we then re- re-evaluated, okay, what was the true desire there? Yes, of course, we want to travel and spend time together, but it also was really to learn French. So what if we took a French class here in in those six weeks to kind of lead up to it? And then we just did a tutor over there instead of taking a whole summer session of a French class. So really, again, going back to the priority of what was it that we originally wanted and how can we just shift that? So how we made the decision to do we cut down our time in France or do we stay here for the summer? Which, guys, I realize, by the way, this is like so first world problems. But for most of us, these are the things that we get in our head about. Like, I said that I want to write this book and launch this course. I said that I wanted to learn this language and go on this trip. I said that I would wanted to volunteer for this thing at church. And then I also wanted to do this other nonprofit thing over here. Like, it usually is that we have all of these good, great first world problems that we want to say yes to. And then we get frustrated when they're bumping up against each other. And I believe that we really need to just slow down and reevaluate. Okay clean slate. What's the actual priority? So for us, we realized there isn't a scarcity on travel. We are building a and curating a life where we can do extended travel. I've mentioned before on this podcast, it's something that we want to have as a lifestyle, that we would go to France for six weeks every year, even if we have kids, like all of that. So that doesn't feel scarce. But having moved into this brand new apartment, that feels more, not necessarily scarce, but more time sensitive. Like we just got this new apartment. Let's appreciate that. We truly can go to France anytime and we will. But for right now, we have this beautiful apartment that we will not spend the next 50 years living in. So let's take advantage of that. So it's giving up something great for something even better. And I think sometimes that is the most difficult choice and change for us to make is when it's all good things. We want all the amazing things and then we can get frustrated as opposed to being like, you know what? I have lots of great things, but I'm going to give up some of those great things to choose the ones that are even better, that are the best, that are truly my top priority. I think it is so powerful for your heart to reevaluate your choices and your priorities. One of my favorite phrases that you will hear me say a lot is you are the CEO of your life. Even if you work in a cubicle, in a nine to five job, and you have six children that take a lot of your time, I believe that you are so much more empowered than you think. And our minds disempower us so often. You actually can choose to quit your job, leave your marriage, never talk to that friend again, move states. You could choose to walk away from your beautiful six children. So what are you choosing to say yes to? You are making an active choice to choose to stay a mother, choose to stay a loving wife, choose to stay in that friendship, choose to go to the job that maybe doesn't light you up and yet pays the bills that allow you to pay your taxes and not end up in jail. Like that is a choice that you do get to make. And I am getting so much better at this, but I used to so often forget that I am the one that came up with this idea. Like I am the one that came up with the idea of going to France for three months so I can change my mind. 
I am the one that came up with the idea of going to France for six weeks so I can change my mind. Um, when we are, we actually just went through this in our business. We had uh, one whole launch that we were working on, one direction that we were going with our company. And I just kind of timed out and was like, hey, guys, can I throw out a new idea? What if we completely switched it up and did this other thing instead? And the team was like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing. That changes everything. We love this even better. It's a win here. It's a win there. And it's it's truly because I slowed down and was like, I am the CEO of this company. I am the one that came up with this new offering for our students because I thought that it's what they wanted and needed the most and it was the best fit for us. But now I've rethought it. And so can I actually slow down, reassess, and switch it? So by the way, if you are a fellow entrepreneur, we have something absolutely magical that we are creating for you that I am so gosh darn excited about. So if you are not on our list, send us an email and we will get you um, on our list because we will first share it uh, via email. But maybe you got into a new job and there's way more travel than you expected. And you can freak out and be like, this is not what I expected. I'm super frustrated that now I can't volunteer at church and take the the French class and do all of these different things. Or you can reevaluate your priorities. Instead of being frustrated, you can be like, all right, well, I'm the CEO of my life and I said yes to this new job that is amazing because of all of these different ways. I'm going to go back through everything else Hillary taught me and really get my mindset into how amazing this is. And then I'm going to reevaluate my other priorities. If I can't say yes to everything else in my personal life because of this incredible new job, what is it that matters most? Maybe I need to cut back on some of my volunteering. Maybe this is not the season when I can learn that new language. Maybe I need to niche down on the friendships that are really important to me and prioritize more time with less people so that I can stay more deeply connected and not feel so spread thin. So I chose France. I chose to move. And suddenly I could have felt panicked and resentful and like overwhelmed that now, oh, which one do I want to do? But I chose and I can choose again. I am the CEO of my life and I chose my top priority over my second absolutely amazing priority. And then I continue to work on my mindset to re-choose my top choice. I think it is super powerful for your head, your heart, your soul to remember that even when you don't make a choice or get to fully make it, it's not a hell yes that you necessarily initiated. We have so much control over our head and heart and soul to choose for it to be a yes, a blessing, a gift. And often we have to have the courage to release something that's good, to trust that there is something great waiting for you. And the one caveat I have from that uh, is a lesson from Brooke Castillo, who's a life coach who I really appreciate and love her teaching. And she's pointed out that you want to make sure if you are the one choosing the change, that you remember your mind is going to go with you. So is it really the boyfriend who's making you feel badly about yourself? Maybe. He may be totally toxic. Or you may have some super low self-esteem and be just as unhappy with your brain no matter who you are or aren't dating. Is it really that this roommate you are living with is a disaster? Maybe. She may be the worst. Or you may have anger inside of you that makes you really hard to be around and you're going to take that conflict with you whoever you live with. This was really true for me. Jeremy wasn't unhappy in his life thinking a new apartment would change everything. He was happy and grateful and 
We believed that us having our first home that we got to decorate and set up together, not just him moving into my place that was energetically kind of always going to be mine, that that would be a really exciting, healthy, special season. He wasn't thinking that suddenly that is going to make up for the fact that he isn't super fulfilled in work or we're disconnected in our relationship. Not that those things are true, but we weren't. he wasn't expecting that this apartment was going to change everything. And I wasn't resentful moving, thinking that I owe him a favor, I owed him a favor and now he owes me one. I was excited to give him his dream apartment and believed that it would be an incredible new chapter for both of us. But we know that our minds, our happiness, our marriage is not based on where we live. And we weren't trying to run from something. We had the courage to believe that something that was really good could be even greater. And I can already tell that it absolutely is. So to recap, my six encouragements to embrace change gracefully are number one, Get a heads up if you can, and if not, acknowledge that swift change can feel jarring. Number two, focus on your priorities, and then celebrate choosing priority number one, not focusing on having given up priority number two to get it. Number three, envision your choice. Train your brain to picture the best. Be that person now not waiting until you have something external and then thinking that will change how you feel internally. Number four, prepare your mind that freakouts will happen, which doesn't mean it's wrong, so you can react to them less and not second-guess your choice. Number five, look for evidence that this is good, right, meant to be. The brain doesn't want you to change. It's safer to stay the same, and it will try to convince you of that. So talk to yourself about all the evidence that this is right. And number six, reevaluate your priorities again as things shift. Remember, you're the CEO of your life. And even when unexpected things arise, you can choose how you settle things around them. And the bonus, number seven from Brooke, is remember your mind goes with you. Don't expect a change externally to change your joy internally unless you are working on happy, healthier thoughts. So spoiler alert, all of these are ultimately about your mind, what you're thinking. Are you thinking the worst or thinking that it gets better and thus expecting the best? So here's to changing gracefully, to knowing no person or place can ever make us happier than we are inside our own mind, to new seasons, chapters, and believing it always gets better, and to lots more drinks with friends over at our new place, which we are calling Chez Collier. So come check it out and say hello on Instagram at Hillary Rushford, and I'll see you here on the next You're Welcome Wednesday. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is listening to your voice memos. You can go to hillaryrushford.com slash pod VIP or on iTunes, swipe up to find that link right below in the show notes and leave me your own voice memo or email one to hello at hillaryrushford.com. Some of you have submitted great questions and topics that I'll be covering in future episodes or follow-up questions to an episode. And plenty of you have literally just sent me love, which when I realized that that's what you guys were going over there and doing, just freaking made my heart swell. 
Hi, my name is Amy Williams, and I'm from Austin, Texas. Hey, Hillary. Hello, beautiful Hillary. I found you years ago because of your fashion, which is flawless. Hi, Hillary. So my name is Sophia. I just went through all your episodes, and especially the first one, it was so strong and brave. I love your way. You bring happiness to my life. Hi, Hillary. My name is Loretta Evans. Thank you. I just want to say really thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, with the world and that way we other ladies out there can hear you and and get to know you and um, learn from your experiences as well hello there lovely lady this is nicole from switzerland um i just wanted to let you know that i love your podcast love it love it love it you're doing so great um i really appreciate your work i can't wait to hear more from you you're deeply appreciated thank you how cool is that to hear your voices and where in the world you guys are tuning in from? Gosh, I just love y'all already. And I would love to hear from you. So come leave me a voice memo with a question or a topic or just come and comment over on my latest Instagram post, whatever it is. And speaking of Instagram, something else I'm loving lately is what I stumbled upon there. And that is choosing one inspiration photo for whatever it is that you are creating. So in my hunting around for inspiration for our new home, I had a decor folder that I was saving on Instagram. And it was mostly specific things. Ooh, I like that planter. Ooh, I like that lamp. But then I saw this image that just kind of hit me of that's the color palette that I want for our living room. And it was not a photo of a living room. It was a photo kind of up above from a hotel with a pool and someone laying out. But it just clicked with me that I loved all of those colors. So this is a little insight as a creative director or an art director that you can use in your own life. So when our living room is done, I will share that over on Instagram. But you'll be able to see how I just looked at the colors there. And it has truly helped us. Just last night, we were choosing a rug uh, because there was a sale going on on a certain website. And um Jeremy said, oh, I don't really think I want to get into this right now. I feel like my brain's kind of tired of making decisions. And I said, well, let me just show you this photo. And we looked at the photo and we looked at our living room and I said, okay, we already decided if we're getting a couch that's this color, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of pointed out the different things. And I was like, so what I see then is that the rug that we would want here would be white with accents of black. And he was like, yeah, I agree. And I'm like, okay, great. Then that just really helped us narrow down. Oh, I don't know. What kind of rug do we want? We could spend forever looking for it. And that allowed me to just be like, great, I'm just going to Google modern abstract black and white rugs, see if we like anything better than the one that we found on this website. And guys, I cannot tell you what a win this is for me. The amount, I mean, it took me two years to decorate my last apartment. Um, it was just insane. And therefore, all the more so, and it took me so long to do wedding planning. I'm just wanting to make decisions. And by having this one image to go back to, not even a full vision board, but just one image is helping me make decisions so much more quickly. So I will share that photo uh, along with a photo of our in, uh, living room on Instagram once we do get all of those pieces in there. But I so hope that this helps you with your next design of your home or office or website or the color palette for your new course or product or nursery or your wedding, whatever beautiful place or space is coming into your life next. So I will see you on a beautiful next Wednesday with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday.